Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman and I'm joined this week by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Callum Petch. Hello. As we have a crack at the last seven days or so in film, uh, including new release reviews of Nerve, uh, Peach Dragon and The Shallows. We've got all the usual bits and pieces before that, um, including a quiz. But Owen, before we do some quizzing... I lost last week, didn't I? After going double or quits, I went big. Oh yeah, you did, and uh, it blew up in your face as you had to watch Mob Handed. Um, do you yes. want to tell people listening what Mob Handed is for those who may be unaware? Mob Handed is a film that um, Paul Field discovered and wished upon us um inflicted upon us sent owen a dvd of in the post i couldn't get away from it it literally yeah. posted a brand it's, new dvd straight it was Amazon. like it was like it follows wasn't it but rather than sort of a ghost kind of demon that follows you around and is transferred by by sex it's just this dvd that paul would not leave us alone with it's sort of like reminding me of a Portlandia sketch with somebody who's like sending this art house DVD to somebody who's not interested and it just keeps turning up and turning up and turning up until they're strapped down and forced <laughs> to watch it. Well, I mean, woe betide anybody who wins a DVD competition from us in the future yeah. because there's an extra DVD that's going to make its way into that, that and package. So, and Because so, Paul went for all this effort. Last week before the podcast and before I lost the quiz, I watched the first three minutes and decided yeah. no. <laughs> just just no this is not even so bad it's good it's so bad I want to gouge my eyes out which was it at the point that the guy who was masturbating to child pornography was dragged into the back of a van and shot was it that Pretty, point that you stopped yeah I, I just said that was the point where I gave up on wait, it wait 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 did did anybody ask for a gritty reboot of Only God Forgives like oh, Shitty mm. reboot of God, maybe Only God Forgives, not gritty. I mean, no, gritty Jesus and Christ. shitty, but like the two. I mean, like, right, so, so the stars of this film are <laughs> Dirty Den from EastEnders, not the actual character, the guy who played him, whose name I'll never be able to tell you, and, and Daniela Westbrook, who was also in EastEnders. It, it's like it's been shot on somebody's phone. The editing makes no, the editing makes no sense. There's 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 stock footage of London. Just, just put it, you know, like how you get aerial shots in films of like, so the the Sweeney film with uh, Plan B and 
Oh and, God, uh, no! But, that, but you know what? No, no, no. The film. I'm not comparing the film to this, but you know, in that film where you get like a in between scenes, you get like a sweeping shot of London, which is like could just be stock footage. But it's just like a sweeping shot of London, aerial shot. Like you get these in this film. It, it doesn't make. I don't. I don't even know if the film's set in London. I don't know where it's supposed to be set either. I'm guessing from their accents it's London and some of the footage. But, I mean, they seem to drive into London and then are in the middle of the countryside. It doesn't make any sense. At one point, they're using an iPod, uh, iPad upside down. And it's just like, nobody says anything. Surely that's like basic, you know, for the director to go, hang on, let's do that again. The iPad is completely the wrong way around. But, I mean, the cast in it, the one thing that you neglected to mention there, Steve, um, the cast are actual like British mobsters and gangsters. Uh, really? And dirty I, I, down I, from I, Boyard. Well, Dave Courtney <laughs> is like front and centre of the poster. Uh, it features the voice of Charles Bronson <laughs> from prison, and it sounds like a recorded prison phone call, which I thought was illegal. I didn't think you were allowed to do that, but I guess that's probably the least of the crimes that some of these people have committed. I mean, no uh, one's going to watch this. No one's going to watch this film, so how's it going to get found out about? I was going to say, from as well, it sounds like they had to download child pornography purely for that one sequence. So I think they're in bigger shit than oh, that Oh, right yeah. That's the old, um, the thick of it guy's excuse, isn't it? Essentially, the premise of the film is kill all nonces. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, that is basically... The, I mean, it's called Mob Handed because it's the film that teaches us that not killing a paedophile when you have the chance to is a terrible mistake. The point I feel like there's a life lesson we could all take to heart, though. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the, the, the bloody description of it, the synopsis on the back of the DVD, a violent and brutal story of a beautiful journalist who will stop at nothing to get revenge for her daughter's murder. Um, How many times the word slags was mentioned in the movie? There's one guy, one guy in this who's, I don't think his dialogue was written. It was just like, let's just wind him up and let him go. He can, I don't know whether that was Armourer Lou Lewis as he was, uh, as someone was credited on that film. But um, I was, I was waiting for a semi, semi ironic get out of my pub. (laughs) Well, there was a bit, wasn't there, where she confronts this, this vigilante guy and says, do you, do you not think that these people need help? So you think, okay, maybe they're trying to acknowledge that there's like something more to the problem. Uh, you know, that it's, it's, they're not just these sicko freaks that need to be stamped out of society, like literally with their Doc Martens. But instead it's like, it just descends into this 90 second foul mouthed tirade by this guy. It's fucking help, fucking you, fucking cunt. It's got kids that need the fucking help of these fucking nuns, perverts, fat cunts, cunts, fuck, fucking slags. It just descends into this horrid um, rant. And the whole film is like that. Good luck attempting like... to edit that, that swear stream you just did, Owen. I mean, Should the, I put the, some thing, bleeps in? the thing is, we, me and Owen have made each other watch some terrible films as part of this... Um, oh, yeah. This... this this little mm-hmm. venture that we've been on in the quiz, and this is the worst. Why does it? Why do you always? Why is it whenever I'm on the week before is always the time you two seem to find the bottom for battle for your <laughs> films? It, it, it just seems to happen. No, we've yeah. definitely found it now. Okay, I think the lesson we can the lesson we can all take from here is that Steve should not gamble. 
ever. It will just end badly. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, when, it, when it comes to betting money on, on, on football, my gambling goes quite well, actually. Okay, but betting on the quiz... <laughs> Yeah. When, when, when films are on the line, that, that's something you just need to say no to, Steve. I, yeah. It's no longer fun, so just stop, as the adverts say. And we ha- and me and Owen have tried before making each other watch good films, and it just doesn't work. No. It's, no not, it's, not, as, it's not as fun. No. <laughs> For but, everyone. Um, the problem with this, of course, this week was that I watched it as well when I didn't need to. I just <laughs> wanted to <laughs> see... <laughs> What the, the what question, was actually the, like? The, the biggest question I've got is, how did Paul found out about this? Oh, uh, Paul in his geezer movies. I mean, and there's, I don't hey, know. Hey, maybe, I don't, it's him and James Paul. Mullinger just keep winding each other up with these films. I think, and we we've took the brunt of this. And, and, and have me and Owen now got a certain window to make somebody else watch the film by before we die? Is some gangster going to come out, come and kill us? Because they think me and Owen are nonces if we don't make someone watch this in the <laughs> next 48 hours. Just going, fuck, 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 cunts, yeah. cunts, assholes, what? I believe the, the, the rule is it's whoever's on the podcast with us next. So, Callum, would you like to uh, receive a copy of Mob Handed, perchance? Uh, for free? Um, you don't, um, you don't, hey, you don't hey, have to pay for it. Yeah, but look, 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 look. I, okay, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, up, I'm up for watching basically anything, so... Mm. Yeah. Plus, again, I saw Grimsby this year, so this can't get worse until it got worse twice. But the point yeah. is, <laughs> the point is, you'll try anything. Mm. So maybe you'll try this film yeah. where hey. an MP, yeah. whilst talking to a vigilante killer called the Executioner, says, "We're in a country flooded with paedophiles, and it's my job as an MP to pay for new identities for these people at the taxpayers' expense." That's the kind of film <laughs> you're looking for. <yourself into. laughs> not real that's not real oh yes that, it is that's not that's, that's, what, that's, what, from that's one of those fake movies you make up for the quiz is what that is that's not that's not real but it but is there's like it. this weird you... weird mix of politics with a, a lowercase p going on and that you know it seems to say like i said that it goes pedophiles are sick you know it constantly brings up this thing like there's a, a Jeremy Kyle style montage piece in there where there's an actual registered sex offender who is is Jeremy you know, Kyle actually it. in this film? Yeah, where he's just trying to get this this job this mob group to to see a bit of compassion and stop branding him as a paedophile and burning his house down and stuff. So it's going like, look, the, these are still human beings, but then it seems to think that the way to treat them is to lock them in an R edge Ford Mondeo and drive <laughs> over it with tanks. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> Where, yeah, where did they get the tank? <laughs> I don't know where... The budget for this film, like, none of it went on production. <laughs> it's like, it's awful. And the choice of, like, music in it is... I don't know what happened. It must be, like, the uh, producer's... I don't know, relative or friend. Stop! Or... Stop! 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 Stop talking now. You, you've you've both sold me. I don't I don't need any more now. Save some surprise for the actual film, please. Good. Okay. Good okay. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, good times. But, oh, there was good just times. one more bit that I really liked, with which was in regard to the the music. Which, by the way, they don't know what keyframing is. The music's either on or off. There's no like fading in or out of tracks. But it just sort of goes like the the bit with um. Uh, Leslie Grantham, she's in a uh, back of a Rolls Royce that's on its way to presumably London and she's staring out of the window and the lyrics of the song that are played over it as she's staring out the window are you're staring at the landscape 
And it's just like really dragged out and long. I mean, they seem to have written the song to match. Well, it could be that they've written the song to match exactly what's being shown on Wait, screen. Are you trying or, to tell me this is basically a stealth musical? Uh, <laughs> it could be. It could be. It's got worse music than Sharknado 4. I I I I I would actually be very interested in a musical where in a musical where like I think where where Leslie where Fort Boyard just beats in nonces' heads while singing a Broadway star musical number. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that would be something. Anyways, quiz. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so um, I guess there's no reason to have the quiz anymore since you've already bottomed out and clearly cannot go any further. Yeah, first just it's going to take some going, isn't it? I think we've completed films. <laughs> we've done it. So just, sh- just shut the whole medium down now. It's it's done. I mean, we've, we've now watched the worst film ever made. If we can now watch the best film ever made, and we might already have done it, I don't know. If we can yeah, watch the United best Passions, film, obviously. Yeah. If we watch the best film ever made, then me and Owen can just lock this on the head right now because we can't do any... We've done the whole spectrum of films. Just end fail critics. Mm. Yeah, the next one that comes up, and you're gonna make me watch like 2001: A Space Odyssey, and we go done, end. Yeah, we finished, Just finished, finished. It's uh, no, so, so as as me and Owen do occasionally try and theme the quiz around the new releases, um, I had a choice of of sharks or dragons for this week's yeah. quiz. Uh-huh. I, I went, I went dragons. And what I'm going to do okay. is just ask, ask some questions about dragon films, and you got to answer them. It's quite simple. Is one of them quiz the, works. Is one of them about the flight of dragons? Because I introduced my four-year-old niece to that film yesterday, and she fucking loved it. Glued to the TV the whole did, time. Did, did, she, did she specifically say that she fucking loved it, Owen? Is that the influence of you? <laughs> she went, that? this is fucking brilliant, Uncle Owen. <laughs> she, had, she had just watched Mob Handed. <laughs> yeah. So... So, um, <laughs> contrasting, um, yeah, films for the four-year-old to sit through. Yeah, mm. it was a double feature. Mob-handed and the flight of dragons. Yeah. One kills nonces with guns and hammers and Ford Mondeos and tanks, and the other one kills dragons with science and logic. Giving away the ending to anyone yeah. who's not seen that 1982 animated mm. steve questions anyway, carry on <laughs> questions yes. so some questions about films with dragons in them uh, so just shout out when you know the answer it's not multiple choice or anything you just shout out when you know the answer and if you answer first correctly you get your point um so matthew mcconaughey and christian bell started in which rain dragon... of fire well done one point <laughs> that's how this, that's very much how oh, this is man. working um in um, the Hobbit trilogy, Smaug was voiced Benedict by... Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Yeah, that wasn't the question, though. <laughs> oh. But who did the motion capture work? Was it Andy Serkis or Benedict Cumberbatch? Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis. Um, right, my laptop has frozen on me, so I'm trying <laughs> to get the answer up. <laughs> this podcast... I mean, if people knew the effort we'd gone to to get this bloody... <laughs> We're only an hour and 20 minutes behind. It's fine. Yeah. Um, right. Should we have a point each for that one? We both said it. No. no <laughs> it wasn't actually Benedict Cumberbatch. It was Benefit Benedict Cumberbatch, so you were both wrong saying Andy Serkis for the But I just said capture. Benedict Cumberbatch now. And also, if you want to be thinking, Owen already said Cumberbatch before you finish asking the question, so technically he still has the point there. 
Oh, that's true. <laughs> we both leapt in before the question was asked. No, okay, fine. You can you can do whatever you like, Steve. It's your quiz. Let's <laughs> yeah. make it one all. Okay. Well, that always trying to show mercy now because because of my <laughs> In the film Dragonheart, who was the voice of Draco the Dragon? Uh, Sean Connery. You're correct, Owen. Mm. In Dragonheart 3, The Sorcerer's Curse, who was the voice of Draco the Dragon? <laughs> Sean Connery? No, it wasn't Sean Connery. <laughs> come on, come Ewan McGregor. Time... Sorry, who, 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 what, where? I said you and me. I said Owen, uh, Owen said you and McGregor. No. Uh, Let's have one more guess each. Scottish actors now. Have one more guess Bill- each. Billy Connolly. No. <sighs> Frankie Ball. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> no, it was Ben Kingsley. Was it? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. A third, wait, a third Dragonheart movie have a budget to get Ben Kingsley, but not Sean Connery. <laughs> well, Sean Connery had retired, hadn't he, probably by the time this came out. Mm. Uh, Dragonheart 3, The Sorcerer's Curse, only came out in 2015. Um, and they got... Ben Kingsley, direct, direct to video sequel. Uh, I um, mean, considering some of the shit Ben Kingsley starred in recently, that actually makes perfect sense. Yeah, Julian Morris played Gareth. I mean, it just seems a bit of a strange name to have for a medieval <laughs> person. Gareth, just yeah. Gareth, the Dragon Slayer. Yeah. So it's yes. So it's two one two Owen mm-hmm. going into the final question. What was the name of the dragon, or at least the most popular or uh, commonly known dragon, from the Godzilla series of films? Uh, Destoroyer? No. Mm. I, I have no idea. I, the only monster from Godzilla I know is Mothra. So. That's King Ghidorah. He's a, he's a dragon Ghidorah. with three heads. Yeah, okay. Um, but anyway, Owen Owen wins the quiz two to one out of five questions. Um, so Owen's one nil up, and on the way to make we watch something terrible again. Uh, I'm going to get a recommendation from Paul. Thanks. <laughs> Paul can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on, on to the news, and from this point onwards, the podcast should pick up uh, in, in quality and everything else. Um, there wasn't much in the way of, of, of news this week, especially as we decided to leave out all the Star Wars stuff. Um, well, it wasn't... I mean, Ken, Kenny Baker died. Um, sad. That's it, really. We didn't have much to say, did we? Sorry, b- Baker... very respectful there, Owen. Great, great eulogy. Oh, his family and friends will never hear this. I mean... You don't know that, though, do you? Because when people, when people say something wrong and like slag someone off, that's when people start hearing stuff. But who would have would thought? You... Who would have thought that this podcast would have been listened to by Danny Dyer? So you know, you know, you never know. You never know. Uh, all right, I'm really sorry to hear of Kenny Baker's passing. He was a true gift to cinema, and the world is a poorer place without him. Oh, we're all going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I already had that on my agenda. Before we did this, <laughs> I've done some. I've done some things. I mean, I don't mean to say I'm flipping about someone dying. I just mean that, is it like proper... We What I mean is we've got nothing to say about it. There's no, like, extra additional comments to throw into that hat, into that ring. Yeah. Of, yeah. he's dead. Yeah. Um, but uh, we did sorry. have um, did have 
uh, one relevant piece of news or one important piece of news that I think it was Callum that found from the Sausage Party movie. Yes, uh, Sausage Party, which came out in America this past weekend, is due out here on 2nd September. Um, our, the first R-rated, fully computer-animated um, uh, you know, uh, CG movie. Um, it actually did quite well in America as well. Opening opening weekend, $36 million there. So mm-hmm. potentially proving that there is a market for this stuff that Hollywood will have long lessons from. But anyways, um, that's not the news, though. Instead, the news is um, animation website Cartoon Brew did an interview um, on the week just prior to the release of the film with the film's directors, Conrad Vernon and Greg Tiernan, because um, it's not, I mean, because you know, Seth Rogen and Goldberg's fingerprints all over it, it's not their film, per se. Um, where, in the interview, co-director Greg Tiernan, um, who's also head of the Canadian animation studio um, Nitrogen Studios, uh, bragged about the film's low production costs. This is a film that only cost $19 million to make, actually. Uh, which, for commenters, because Cartoon Brew is a hub for people in the animation world to talk to as well, um, haven't taken too kindly to, because as it turns out, uh, the people running Nitrogen Studios are apparently massive twats. Um, specifically, in the ca- case that um, animators there were specifically were, were forced into working overtime for free, against their will, um, regularly, routinely um, abused and talked down to, um, put under stressful deadlines, and um, if at any point they left the film for whatever reason, even if they'd been there for like a year and a half beforehand and had to leave for problems with work visas and such, you know, because Canada, um, they had, un- ended up having their names taken off the finished product's credits out of spite, in addition to not having been paid for a lot of their work. Um, apparently something between uh, uh, over at least 30 animators left during the course of the film, with most of them um, having had their... Uh, Again, having had their names taken off the finished credits and having mm-hmm. not been paid um, dis- um, before paid overtime had actually been put in, having been forced there because Greg Tiernan insisted they had to. Um, apparently, in that first trailer, none of the artists, like none of the shots that you see in that trailer or on the workplace up there, are for, were ac- none of the people responsible for those shots were actually credited in the finished film itself. Uh, which, yeah, it's a very, very like it's 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 a whole load of horrible dick moves basically um i mean dick them shitting on uh animators is not new i mean that's ha- that happens but that seems particularly bad yeah yeah that, especially the, um supposedly uh, like um, again there are a couple of conflicting ones about there's exactly who's to blame supposedly a lot of the people at the studio themselves it was their first feature-length film because prior to this nation studios have been responsible for thomas the tank engine Shorts, mm. uh, and that's it. Uh, but apparently, they have they do not have the infrastructure in place to have um, actually made a feature film to this kind of scale before, and so cut corners massively. Practically have used their staff and attempted to hide and have basically hidden most of the worst of it from the producers themselves prior to the film because they don't want it getting out, you know, mm-hmm. publicity mm-hmm. and such as well. Um, so yeah, this is a again, this is it's really really shitty behavior. Um, I think I think the worst part of it though is that I initially looked like yeah you know, I saw that news looked at it and kind of my initial response wasn't shock but was just kind of a why am I not surprised like half because mm-hmm. a nineteen million dollar budget sets mass should have set massive alarm bells ringing anyway if, when you think about it but also because um, I also always keep one eye on the video game industry in general 
where mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. kind of really shitty exploitative labor practice happens basically all the time. Um, and, and I mean, animation's not great anyway, and that's well, but this is still a huge news story that needs to get out there. But yeah, again, this is just shitty behavior, and you should pay and treat your animators with respect, damn it. It's basic, like, it's just basic one-on-one. And it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not even just it's yeah. not even just basic courtesy. I mean, if if you've contracted someone to do work, yeah, then it's surely there's em- employment tribunals they can go to, or yeah. you know, sue you for uh, whatever. They, um, yeah, yeah. Apparently, they've, 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 they've tried bringing. Uh, I think a bunch of them are trying to bring a lawsuit to the um, studio mm-hmm. itself. Um, what's especially is that um, Canada, especially, is really, really bad with how it treats animators a lot of the time as well. Um, there was a like especially there's one uh, studio whose name escapes me right now about there that was bought up by DHX a few years back, which before then was apparently notorious for exploitative labor practices and such like that. But then once DHX Media, um, who do TV shows like um, Little Less Pet Shop, My Little Pony, and that there bought it up, apparently they finally changed their practices around. But again, it's it's really bad that this kind of like large scale abuse and corruption out there still ha- is still happening in the animation industry, and especially this blatantly for this kind of movie. Um, mm-hmm. So again, it's again. Whilst I do, whilst at the same time, I'm torn now between wanting Sausage Party to continue to be a success in spite of this, in the hopes that, again that we'll get more adult animation from America Feature Tank Landscape, even though it will probably be of the worst kind. But I'll hold all that off until I come back on in a few weeks and review Sausage Party properly, which is apparently <laughs> fantastic. Um, but on the other hand, again, this is the kind of new story that needs to be getting proper, full-on, you know, national attention and hopefully proper investigations from Cartoon Brew as well, who do actually do a lot of that kind of investigative journalism. So hopefully they'll follow up on that in the future mm-hmm. because, yeah, this is shitty. Yeah, I mean, the, the media industry as a whole is not great in terms of... I mean, I can remember um, it was it'd be about a decade ago, about this point in the year, a decade ago, when uh, my wife and her friends had graduated from university, I think I mentioned before they did digital animation, and there was a studio that was opening in London. Uh, and they basically, like central London, wanted to tie down a load of these graduates to the animation studio for 12 months with like an exclusivity contract for f- no pay. They would do all the animation for the studio. They would pay to send them off to, you know, Turkey, to Canada, I think, that... Um, they were going to send them to, and they would train them in the in the software, but no no money whatsoever would go their way in terms of earnings. Um, and it seems to be still the case that if you want to do something, if you want to get a portfolio, if you want to uh, eventually work in the industry, you have to really slog it out for about five to six years of doing relatively low to completely unpaid work as an animator. A friend of mine is now an animator for... Uh, uh, works on games and it's taken uh, nearly 10 years to get to the point where she's you know confident enough to approach proper games studios about this in fact she was almost about to work for Lionsgate before it closed down so you know it, you I mean, mean Lionhead Lionhead sorry what did I say Lionsgate the movie studio it's now shutting down apparently oh Breaking yeah news. no I meant the Peter Molyneux place yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, um, it's it, it, it's not a new thing, but I mean, like I said, I think this thing's particularly bad. I would be surprised if it doesn't get picked up wider than than this, because this is the first time I'm hearing about it tonight, yeah. and I think it's uh, quite shocking, really. Yeah, yeah. Time now for what we've been watching when we have a look at some films we've watched in the last week or so that aren't necessarily new releases. Um, 
Owen, why don't you start us off with what you've seen this week? I watched or re-watched uh, because it kept coming up on Netflix and I thought, you know what, I mean, I don't remember it being too bad. Uh, I need something to kill 90 minutes between match of the day, finishing and Mo Farah racing in the Olympics. And I thought, um, yeah, why not go to Netflix, watch Swamp Thing, directed by Wes Craven. Yes, that Wes Craven directed a Swamp Thing movie in 1982, um, which was... What I remembered was it, it was a, a, a decent-ish, cheap B-movie-esque sci-fi horror-type film, right? I thought, it'll be okay, I'll watch it again. And it's it's really bad. I don't know what I saw in it the first time around. Um, I even went back to have a look at my uh, letterboxed review from the time, and I said, it has an interesting story to it, but it's not actiony, actiony enough, or crucially, fun enough. There's no sharp one-liners, which I thought it would be packed with. And Swamp Thing takes ages to appear on screen. Um, I think even there, I was being quite positive about it. I gave it two stars out of five. uh, And I just think that was... I was must have been in a good mood. Because it's so bad. It's so boring. The, The comic that came out around the same time, DC were pushing a comic of uh, the saga of Swamp Thing, which is famous because I think... 1984 so about two years after the film came out uh alan moore jumped onto it he was put onto it as his big sort of uh dc thing and the comic the saga of swamp thing is fantastic it's got all this uh, well as you'd expect i guess from from an alan moore story it's got all these uh uh like weird ideas about what life actually is because the whole thing about swamp thing is he's created from an accident of the scientist alec holland who uh, works in the swamps and works with fauna and all that kind of thing, and he ends up being set on fire by a group of uh, villainous corporate people and falls in the swamp, as you do, covered in chemicals, comes out as a swamp thing. Alan Moore's comic decides that, no, what actually happened is the swamp absorbed him. So Alec Holland is dead. He's gone. And it's just that this um, the swamp is now recreating him with these... Things that aren't really human organs, but it's just quite a crude version of it. And it's all about, is that really Alec Holland or is it just something pretending to be? And it goes through this existential crisis and it's just like really fantastically well written. And the scope of it is just just blows your mind at times. The film is just a shock B-movie sci-fi callback sort of piece of crap, really. I mean, it's trying to and capture what makes all these uh, 1950s sci-fi films good. So it's trying to be a bit like um, uh, The Thing from Another World, or The Creature from the Black Lagoon, or anything that has people dressed up in these big rubber costumes that make them look a bit green and weird. Um, but there's, there's no fun to it at all. Um, Ray Wise is okay, I quite like Ray Wise, but as I found out when looking at the trivia today, once Alec Holland's dead, that's it for him. That isn't... Ray Wise is no longer in the costume. Because apparently the guy who was in the stunt costume for Swamp Thing looked so completely different to Ray Wise when they were in the costume that it was just pointless using anything that had Ray Wise in it. So it's just a boring lump of a man. Um, I just can't can't understand what I saw in it last time. It's got Adrian Barbeau, who I think most people... Probably know as um, 
she was in Carnivale. She was uh, she she used to be married to John Carpenter as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like the, the, there's no charm to it. There's no uh, there's no inspiration there. It's just a cheap, shitty monster movie. And so, even if it comes up on Netflix, in this sort of uh, climate that we're in of people dicking on DC movies, then they should probably go and watch Swamp Thing to find out how bad they can be. That's it, really. I don't have much more to say about it. I know what I'm watching next if I lose the quiz. (laughs) Yeah. No, I can think of worse films to watch, but it's just, it is a bad film. Hmm. Well, yeah, it didn't sound like one of uh, the best comic book adaptations I've ever seen. From what no, you I'm sure I've nope. seen it, but such a long time ago that it's been banished to the back of my memory banks. I think it's it's part of it is like a cult film, right? But it's like it's not even that. Uh, you know that the cult films have something about them, and this just doesn't. The only thing that makes this cult in any way is that it's got adrian barbeau in it who's sort of a cult film star it's directed by wes craven uh and written by wes craven and it's based on a dc comic that's that's it really because there's nothing to it that makes it enjoyable in any way shape or form fucking arcane the bad guy in it is just a bloke in of the cheapest shittiest halloween warthog monster costume it's just like the whole thing in recently, not well, it wasn't that recently. It was a little while ago. But DC had this thing going with the Swamp Thing comics, where there was the green and there was the rot, and you know how these things coexist and how you know they have to be in harmony. You have to have things that rot and you have to have things that grow and have to have a, a sort of balance between them. In like, and it's just like there's nothing at all like that in in here. Swamp Thing just pops out of the swamp occasionally, flips some boats over, and punches a warthog man in the face. I mean, that's that's the extent of what's going on here. There's nothing at all intelligent. No intellect has gone into the, the plot. It's just Monster Man fights some things. It's just, just shit. There we go. Monster Man fights some things. It's a tagline, yeah. isn't it? They can have that if they want it. Mm. Um, Owen mentioned strange ideas with and strange themes, I think, with his review of Swamp Thing. I've seen a film that had some strange ideas. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> bloody hell, there were some strange ideas. That was uh, The Lobster from uh, last year, uh, which, <coughs> now, uh, obviously I've seen the film, um, but to try and explain away the, the, the plot or the, the, the premise of the film, um, single people go to a hotel um, they have 45 days to find a partner. If they don't find a partner, they'll be transformed into an animal. Um, I think they can choose the animal. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to explain it. One of you must have seen this to help me explain the premise, at least. Yeah, okay, right. Um, Basically, it's set, in a, some, it's set in a dystopian future where single people are, out, are outlawed and hunted for sports. 
Um, and everybody single who is caught has taken to a hotel where they are given, I believe, 100 days in order to find a partner that they will marry and be in couple with for the rest of their life. If they fail to make it in that time, then they will be turned into an animal of their choice and released into the wild, most likely to be murdered by the single people who are living out in the wild trying to survive as outlaws such that there. Colin Farrell is the latest occupant of the hotel whose, bro- whose um, brother used- came there but didn't manage to make it the coupling ceremony and that there and now he's basically just trying to survive effectively yes his, his brother's a dog and david played by colin farrell chooses to be a lobster should he not be able to um to to, to find a partner um sometimes with these films i just don't like them i think they're weird for the sake of being <laughs> weird this film is is probably weird for the sake of it i actually liked it though i thought the performances were good um uh- I, th- I think probably as much as not because not being weird for the sake of being weird. It is like it, it's actually a, a satire, and it commits one hundred percent to being a satire. Just using like but just pushing things to the absolute furthest possible extremes, kind of way instead. Like for, yeah, for the, the weirdness there all makes a point. Like, yes, it, it seems like there is more of a point to it than say something like Holy Motors, which was just weird for the sake of being weird <laughs> and irritated the hell out of me. Um, that, yeah, yeah, that was trying to be a bit surreal, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, this is this is maybe not Colin Farrell at his best, but Colin Colin Farrell being very close to it when he does some absolute dross as well. And I always wonder with people like that. I think why do why when you can do this, do you then do that? Like if you're that good. Why do you pick shit to do? I know you've got to pay the bills, but surely you could be a bit more choosy about what you're doing. I was going to say, it's probably in Fantastic Beasts being reunited with that terrible wig from a New York Winter's Tale to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So. Just keeps that wig mm-hmm. for, for, for... For all the 1930s period pieces, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's just got this wig. He'll go to an audition, just put it on, won't even read, won't even read lines, just put the wig on and go, okay, come I'm on. Tired. Uh, put, put, you... his, put his Irish accent back on to charm charm anyone in there and just go, come on. Uh, I mean that. I mean that is a charming Irish accent. But um, I will. What did you... I will. I will bring the wig. I do supply my own wig for this. So you, <laughs> your, your wig budget at a minimum. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the second half? Because uh, like trying to stay away from spoilers and people who haven't seen it, and you should all go watch the Lobster. No, what here? I mean, right? I think you could give. But, I think like, you could give people spoilers. They just really wouldn't understand what you were talking yeah. about until they watched. Yeah, but it. I haven't. I really like, wanted to see this, and yeah. it wasn't showing anywhere near me. So please, like minimum spoilers, because yeah. I will it is, watch it this. Is, now. It on is on Netflix. Netflix now, Owen. Yeah. It That's, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah okay, surprisingly um, quickly, I must say as well. So good on Netflix mm-hmm. for that. Uh, but like, what, what do you think of the second half? Because about the halfway point, essentially, in the nicest possible way, the film turns from satirizing um, our modern obsession with dating and specifically through dating websites and this insistence of coupling and the needs to be like you know to be forcibly romantically attached to each other with things through the most minimum of traits, even if they you know, being fakes for whatever reason that there. Then turns his focus to militantly single people. And I think that's where the film essentially spends an hour slowly falling apart. Primarily because partially because if I think it occasionally puts a bit too much push into the both sides are just as bad as one another bullshit. But also because I just don't think the material is as strong as the stuff in the um co- like as the stuff in the first hour. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I don't, I don't think this, the ideas and themes of the second half are perhaps as interesting mm. as the first half. Yeah. Um, and it does lose its way a bit. Yeah. Plus, for me as well, the central relationship of that second half feels just as stiltedly written and artificial as the fate as the um, satire relationships in the first half. Um, but I'm still not sure whether we're actually supposed to invest in said relationship or not, or still view it as just kind of weird. Again, it's it's kind of all over the place in that second half. I think it loses that focus. Again, in its slow march, to I think well, both sides of us, uh, both sides have equal valid points in that here, and can be as bad as one another, which I don't have time for this shit most most days, to be honest. No, um, I, yeah, I see what you mean. It's yeah, yeah, it kind of, I think it tries to be too ambiguous when it could have done better with picking yeah. a, picking yeah. a side. Yeah, the coupling not, ceremony. Not having- not having splinters in its ass by sitting yeah. on the fence. Yeah, the coupling ceremony from the first half out of it is one of the funniest pieces of comedy from last year. Just hilarious. Yes. Oh, that. definitely. Spe- got Olivia Coleman is amazing in that movie. She, she yeah. really, really is. Uh, oh, and you know, and um, the the child as well. I, I, I will say no. I will say nothing more than that. Just but just the scene with the child. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, um, I feel the more we talk about it, the more we're gonna potentially yeah. ruin some of it for Owen so yeah so again yeah, um, just like just advise everybody just go watch the lobster like, yeah like even even if like again even though I believe it kind of falls apart in the second hour um it's still from you need to see if some nothing people, else some, does some people won't get it I'm surprised I did um, <laughs> but, um but anyway Callum what have you seen this week uh sorry I'm gonna make myself unpopular here I finally saw Highlander for the first time <laughs> oh yeah just shit. for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time. Uh, I, I, but look, there are a lot of films I haven't um, seen. Okay, like a lot of films mm-hmm. I apparently should have seen, haven't seen. Highlander, I guess, is one of them. Uh, my dad had it on Blu-ray. He was like, "I watched this in years. Why don't we sit down and watch this together?" And it's a bit shit, really, isn't it? It's not good. <laughs> it isn't a like, good like, film. like, not, like, not, like. I mean, I guess I can see the appeal for you know some people out there but i was like i was literally bored to sleep by the time the final 10 minutes came around and i was never really particularly interested or engaged by it at any point before that anyway like like like, I, like the flashback sequences like all the older stuff with connor um like you know it is all right for the most part i guess like it kind of hits the amount of campiness that I feel like this film kind of needs to be, but the modern stuff, well, you know, modern at the time anyway, is like, it's just really ugly and awful in the way that I, a lot of mid to late 80s alt cinema is, and which, like, I just can't really gain any pleasure or enjoyment from. Uh, you, you know, lots of, you know, just casual sexism, misogyny, and gratuitous rape scenes, and all that kind of stuff in that way, in that way that's just kind of, like, it's, 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 not, it's not fun to sit through. Um, like I, I also like. I guess the film is campy as all get out, including having, despite having a film that's mostly set in Scotland with a supposedly Scottish main protagonist having Sean Connery show up as an Egyptian because, sure, um, but it's not really campy in the way I personally like. It's more like those wannabe prog metal album covers you see spray painted on the side of vans by exactly the kind of person you're thinking drives the kind of vans who spray paints prog metal. On the side of it, like <laughs> it's like I like I, 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 I do get the appeal, I guess, but like I personally prefer my tales of penis envy to be a little less obnoxiously macho, because I mean that that movie is literally a, just a walking metaphor for penis envy. 
um like like you don't even have to read hard into it like like not even fucking like first year of film studies school where a sword is the man's phallic object like that's literally a film about penis envy yeah um, <laughs> also i found christopher lambert to be distractingly too much like god's failed first draft of thomas jane or a, knock-off, or, or a knock-off Mattel figurine of Arnold Schwarzenegger that's been left in the washing machine a few too many times. Like, what the fuck is that accent supposed to be? It's like, it, uh, but yeah, again, again, I get why yeah. some people might enjoy it, but I just it's, there's nothing for me there. I don't, I, I didn't. I was just bored, really. And also, all those Queen songs are really out of place. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh... I, it was one that I thought I had a lot of nostalgia towards. I thought I'd... Because I watched it again, I think it was last year or the year before, for the first time since I was a kid. And I thought, oh, you know what? This used to be a good film. This used to be, a, you know, a quality, like, throwaway 90 minutes. And it was just like, what the hell did anybody ever see in this? That's, just... that, that turns out to have been literally my dad's reaction as well, Owen. So... I was it. <laughs> like, yeah. even he, like, even he looked at it afterwards and was like, yeah, that was a bit crap, really, wasn't it? Like, not even in the, yeah, it was a bit crap, but it was fun kind of way that you had after Suicide Squad for some reason. But I just, just, yeah, that wasn't very good, was it? No, yeah. it is it is just bad. I do like the accents in it. I like how there's an ancient Egyptian called Ramirez who's got a Scottish accent and a Scottish man with a French accent and a Russian with an American accent. Yeah, and then Mr. Cra- was and then Mr. Krabs running around as the villain for some reason. <laughs> it's, it, that is kind of amusing but that's not what the film should be amusing for yeah yeah um, uh but yeah no okay. I, I i'm now looking forward to despite apparently being on a podcast right now have a load of people who believe highlander is terrible to be assaulted by fans of highlander in the comments oh yeah they're third yeah yeah mm-hmm. like the like as if this is the straw that broke like the broke the camel's back with me being on these podcasts <laughs> First they slag off mob-handed, and then they go on about fucking Swamp Thing, and now Highlander. Oh my god, never listening to them again. One star review. Fucking iTunes. Imagine if it was mob-handed and Highlander that really affected our listenership. For the, that, yeah. They just what if it actually no was? more. <laughs> like, Highlander is more believable, but like, what if they were genuinely just like, our entire fanbase was just made up of 30 die-hard mob-handed fans, or more specifically, the casting crew that worked on mob-handed. I would, lo- like, I would it, lose faith in humanity. <laughs> I think we could do without them, to be honest. I would, if, <laughs> I if, that, if that was the case, I'd want ISIS to win. <laughs> and with that... <laughs> yeah. Moving swiftly on... Time now for us to review the new films out in your local Cineplex this week. Um, and we're going to start off with Nerve. Yes, Nerve, which is the new film from Henry Juice and Ariel Shulman of um, Catfish and Paranormal Activities 3 and 4. Um, adapted from a young adult novel um, by um, Jan Ryan, which will explain where the, which will probably explain to a lot of people where the good girl falls for bad boy. Um, romance part comes from but in any case uh set in 2020 like specifically a bit off in the future um in new york around new york city where emma roberts plays a high school graduate who's about to go off to college um but like uh, like um, she'd love to go off to her position to her place at cal arts 
but is regretting, but is unable to do so because she um, first off doesn't have her money, but also her overbearing mother wants her to stay at a college closer to her because her um, brother died two years back, and you know, there's still the whole grieving, clingy process. Mother instantly played by Juliette Lewis, who between this and Gemma the Holograms, I'm thinking is now like duty bound to appear in all teen movies forever now, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, um, Emma Roberts is a very quiet, safe, you know, uh, like introverted young girl out there who is constantly chastised by her friends for not taking risks as well, for playing too safe, for being too, you know, insular herself. Um, so one day she is sent a link to um, by her best friend, played by Emily Mead, to a game called Nerve, which is essentially kind of a reality show, social media kind of thing, where... Um, it's described as truth or dare minus the truth. Essentially, um, uh, players sign up to the service and are given dares by watchers who have to pay to who have to pay to watch, um, where they have to fulfil these dares in order to make more money, gain more viewers, become more famous on the internet and out there, and then eventually move on to a winner takes all finale. Um, if you fail at any point, if you fail at any point during the series, you are stripped of your money if you bail at any point you're stripped of your money and if you try and tell anybody about what's going on then very very bad things happen um it's just so uh, so after impulsively signing up to perform this emma robinson ends up being teamed up with dave franco who is a mysterious ba- who is a bad boy with a mysterious past who's also one of the most popular players of the game and the two have to go around new york um taking part of the game as things very quickly start to get out of hand um and there's probably a far better way to describe that, but I am bad with descriptions and words. <laughs> um, it's uh, and yeah, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and blow some more minds now. Um, Nerve is probably gonna be one of my favorite films of the year. I think really, yeah, I think I genuinely think it's fantastic. Um, here's the thing: it's like it's obviously it's very 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 silly. Um, and it's also not really doing much more than what most films like this do out there, which is update um, standard morality tales about um, the uh, chasing of fame no matter the risk, uh, the dangers of voyeurism, the mob mentality that comes from being in an apartment on an anonymous crowd, um, out there, but, uh, yeah, for the modern age, I'm out there. But, um, and also, it's not anywhere near as smart or incisive as it occasionally thinks it's trying to be. But what it is... Is an is basically the near best possible version of the film that it could be, and this inc- and like of the possible kind of film that it could be. Um, it's incredibly well made, um, like especially the way that it paces itself and builds. Um, Justin Shulman, um, I I must confess I've not seen Catfish or like paranormal paranormal activities here, but they put in a very nice, good old. But they managed to strike a nice balance between the kind of trashy. Uh, like between a trashy teen thriller and a standard, you know, um, slow building, pot boiling thriller as well. So that it's slow, focusing more on character interactions and character relationships and that there, that then end up being built up through um, set pieces that are technically very small in that there, but because you have these investments in the characters, they happen to be genuinely nerve wracking, like a um, mid film sequence involving crossing, like, involving a dare where you have to cross, where, um, one of the players has to cross between two um, high-rise buildings on a ladder. Well, not two apartment complexes on a ladder and that there. And um, because we've had time to invest in these characters and because Judson Shulman managed to do very clever, solid work in drawing out tensions, drawing out shots, um, 
always con- like keep up keeping the pace up on that there but um like it just genuinely managed like it, it had me more invested more gripped more on the edge of my seat than i have been at films like jason bourne or suicide squad i'm at recently and that they're just like really solid well-made filmmaking um it also looks really nice as well um there's this very neon drenched um arguably winding reference style um look to the film um of these kind of contrasting um shades of, of reds and purples and that as well which essentially manages to make new york feel um like 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 that makes it feel resolutely new york um especially kind of like a seedier darker turn as the movie gets darker and darker further on it goes um it's uh, like it's obvi- it's also actually trying to say something to actually earnestly tackle its subjects about uh things as well like um uh modern eth- like you know uh, the modern financial situation like modern financial situations that would drive people to take part in things like nerve um like even if they didn't mean to um social pressures and um also like uh very occasionally as well things about you know internet comments and that online um Justin Shulman do that uh, like essentially shoot a lot of the film in uh, that unfriended um the duff kind of way where they integrate social media into it throughout you know with um viewer counters um mm-hmm. comment streams and that there and each besides and that there which will probably end up making nerve feel very dated but right now it manages to make it feel very vital very of its time that includes having sections where there'll be like um streaming commenters um like like posting up uh you know, comments on the bottom like a bottom left of the screen and that there which when which since we mostly happen to follow uh, a young you know a teenage girl on that during here turn quite casually misogynistic very quickly for example on that there um but it's also my just to have um, i i've seen people who say claim that um because the film eventually does get very moralizing in that near the end um as well that Juice and shulman are trying to have their cake and eat it because because nerve is also a lot of fun so there's that risk that it's glamorizing the game at the same time it's trying to you know preach and moralize about um not doing dangerous things just for online hits and that their mob mentality and such and such and such but i feel like the film doesn't actually glam like the, the, the film manages to again pull that balancing act of being able to be fun to watch whilst at the same time clearly never endorsing the thing it's doing like yeah the thing that it's depicting as well um again with um very with very strong performances all out as well um emma roberts and dave franco have great chemistry with one another i and it turns out from watching this, Dave Franco apparently can pull off teenage heartthrob, which I didn't think, <laughs> which I, I wouldn't have expected, but no. there we go. Uh, no, no, me yeah. neither. <laughs> yeah, but no, like, I, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, again, it does get very, very silly. Um, yeah, it, very, for example, there's a, um, a, uh, a, a male best friend who, you know, has, who quite has a crush on Emma Roberts and that as well, but who also happens to be a hacker in his spare time. And if you think this is leading some hackers ex machina, you better believe that we're going to get a lot of shots in the finale of hackers shouting about nodes and uh, and bots and all that kind of nonsense whilst mashing random keys. Um, and the finale pull, pulls out a... Um, gets very melodramatic and pulls out a speech that's pretty much on the exact level of, are you not entertained? From Gladiator in terms of ridiculous <laughs> hamminess. Um, but again, it's trying. And I'm willing... Yeah, I, and... In a year of films that are actively about basically nothing other than just existing to take money from people, I, I actually genuinely appreciate films that are trying to say something. And especially, and I mean, this obviously makes sense because I'm not sure if anybody on here is aware of this, but I'm really fucking excited for the Purge election year. So sometimes sledgehammer subtle satire that's incredibly silly and not as smart as it thinks it is can be necessary and can scratch my itch. 
Um, again, I, I had a lot of fun. I was sucked in the entire time. I thought it was very tense, very enjoyable. Um, admittedly, a lot of people have my screening did find a lot of it very unintentionally hilarious, which um, is a shame, especially since I can pretty much guarantee if you went back 16 years, these people were lapping the shit up out of, out of Gladiator, which basically tackled the exact same things, but in a serious context. Um, but again, I had a lot of fun. It's very entertaining. Um, again, and why might not succeed in its aims of being a deep, you know, of being deeper and more thought provoking than it actually is. I give it a lot of points for trying. I had a lot of fun. I was very surprised. And it again, it continues from it for me anyway. It continues the trend of the vast majority of this year's best films being mid-budget thrillers. So uh, yeah, give it a mm. check. Check it out if you have a chance. It's it's a lot better than you probably thought it would be, than you're probably expecting it to be. I know it was for me. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it is interesting. I, know, I haven't seen it. I'm guessing you didn't watch it either, Steve. No, I haven't. Managed well, you to. couldn't, could you? Because your no. cinema wasn't didn't exist anymore. Well, well it didn't it, on Friday when all these it, films came out. It's between between chains. Yeah. Yeah. Between chains. Mm. Um. So I know that. Um, then that you probably haven't seen it, and I have not seen it. But Brooker, Andrew Brooker, did manage to go and see it, and he's, he's written a, a review for us, which will go up on the same day that this podcast gets published, so Tuesday, probably. Um, he had massive problems with it. Um, I don't think he even... He didn't... I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I don't want to speak for him. I'm obviously... All I'm doing is I've read his review, <laughs> and I'm going to try and relay some of the things that I picked up from what he said. But it seemed to be that he he didn't even appreciate that it was trying to do something. He, he seemed to be very cross with the film. Um, in fact, I've got one quote here, which is from his review. It says, I don't pretend to be the world's greatest geek, but it drives me up the wall when a film takes a few cool-sounding buzzwords and patronises people that pay to watch it by behaving like they're all-knowing oracles. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't sound particularly glowing from Brooker. There. I think he's insinuating it's quite a shallow film, um, which I mean doesn't necessarily surprise me from um, uh, Juiced and, um, and Schumacher. I, oh, Schumacher, Shulman. <laughs> um, but I mean, I have seen the, the Paranormal Activity films that they did, and I liked those as much as anyone can like a Paranormal Activity three or four <laughs> film. I, I've seen Catfish. I remember Catfish suckered me in because it was um, thrilling and, and it has a hook to it and you want to keep watching to find out more. And I thought it was competently made. I don't think it was actually a documentary at all. I think most of it is probably quite fixed, but at the same by the same token, I thought it was pretty well made and did its job. Um, and I'll pro- I am still quite keen to watch Nerve. Yeah. I think that for all the reasons that you just mentioned, it seems like it's got a... Maybe gimmick is too negative a connotation to, to, to suggest this. But, I mean, I think it seems like it's got something um, to, to to give it this this hook, this point. Yeah. To, yeah, to yeah. keep yeah. you interested. I feel like yeah, yeah, gimmick, I guess, is kind of the right way. Again, again what what it is, is um, like in a couple of years... Like, when people come back in a couple of years and watch it, out there, it will almost definitely be very dated in the way that mm-hmm. most... In the way most teen movies are very dated, out there, like... For example, like you try and watch Clueless nowadays, it's so nineties it hurts and that there. Like how like Mean Girls is <laughs> like how Mean Girls is so two thousand and four it hurts as well. Like that's just how teen movies are. But even when you strip out um usage um sincere usages of the phrase insta famous and um, mm-hmm. stuff about that, what you, if nothing else, what you get is ve- is just really, really well constructed filmmaking. 
with very well ha- with a very well handled story and good attempts at, at, and strong attempts at messaging and that there that why might not always pull off it manages to stick with enough especially since um apparently the book does that like does actually feature this but the film in any, at any rate uh actively ignores any idea that there's some kind of big overseeing corporation controlling nerve as well like like it, it complete um like apparently for book there is some kind of that there but in the um film itself here there's again the idea, there's not the, while the whole game is technically not illegal that there but underground thing it doesn't actually like it doesn't fixate on the it doesn't say or fixate mm-hmm. on the idea that there are other people running it other than just the people who are you know paying to watch as well which for me anyways is a good way of managing to get away from that kind of oh it's just a few bad eggs and that they're spoiling true vision and that here and instead is once again a way of being able to touch on that gladiator thing again you know, uh, uh, when that basically speech fight about you know how people essentially were glorifying death sports and that there in the name of entertainment uh, here well this kind of the same thing of essentially pushing people and abuse um uh, uh, effectively abusing them especially of how melodramatic the film gets in the end about that for their own personal entertainment because of mm-hmm. anony- because anonymity allows them, and mass crowdness allows them to do that which i can understand why people might think that it's being preachy and talking down to but i mean have you honestly looked at internet discourse recently especially mm-hmm. for marginalized people as well so again i think that's why i'm willing to give it here points for at least trying it might not always be successful but it tries as well and again in a landscape in a, in a film landscape this year especially that has gone actively out of its way to try and say nothing of a or aim for nothing or do nothing other than just we exist give us more money for more of these movies please and that, that i'm i'm happy to see more films like this Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the Shallows, uh, Owen. Uh, yes, so I I saw The Shallows uh, last week. Came out on Friday. Um, although some for some reason it was shown on Wednesday and Thursday last week in Sydney so I managed to sneak in and see that. Um, with Brooker actually, as it happens. Um, with yeah, because that's it. We were going to go and see Suicide Squad after we we talked about it on here last week. Steve, do you remember? And you couldn't yeah. make it all the way up because there was no coal for your steam train. <laughs> Something like from, that, yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Um, we ended up watching The Shallows instead. Um, it's uh, I, I, Anyone who heard me on the radio earlier, on Books 101 Radio, will probably recognise most plug. of what I'm solid, saying. Solid plug. Yeah, thank you. Um, be, and I apologise if it sounds a little bit repeated, but I will try and change some of it. <laughs> I didn't have time to make notes again about the same film, so we'll see how this goes. Um, but yeah, director Jean Collette Serra's *The Shallows*. Uh, no, it's a. I guess you'd call it a survival horror thriller. Not well, maybe not horror. It's a horror in the same way that something like *Jaws*. Uh, *Jaws* is the probably obvious connection um, because it's about a big shark Gravity? and someone trying to survive the big shark. Gravity is probably closer, actually. Yeah, it's a terrifying realisation that you're stranded and there's something that's out to get you. You know, all these creature features. Rogue is another one, which has also been added to Netflix recently and is pretty, pretty surprisingly good. Um, a big crocodile, that one. But, you know, it's a similar kind of get up here. You've got Blake Lively. She's a surfer. She's in this secret hidden cove in Brazil that nobody knows the name of. and Nobody knows where she is. And she goes off for a swim goes off for a surf and is bitten on the leg 
Bioshock takes a massive chunk out of her leg because she swam too close to where it's feeding on a big dead whale carcass. Um, she manages to make it to a little rock. She stays there overnight. She tries to avoid the shark. I don't really need to explain much more uh, about that, Where what the plot is, I don't think. I did see a quote earlier from somebody who, who, who reminded me of the um, Johnny Goddard uh, quote, which is that all a film needs to, to, to exist is... Uh, it's a, a girl and a shark, and you can make a film, right? That's effectively all The Shallows is. It's one girl, it's one, it's one woman, Blake Lively, and a big fuck-off shark that's trying to eat her and anyone else who goes in the water. I think if you, if you are thinking that it's probably a bit like Jaws, then you probably need to think again, because it's, it's nothing like Jaws, really. What, what did... Re- uh, spring to mind whilst I was watching it was more of Reese Witherspoon's uh, Wild which came out a couple of years back because it's just about a woman who's um, trying to uh, assess her own grief I suppose and trying she's not really engaging with the fact that her mother's dead and she's trying to run away from this, this grief and this um, darkness and so the whole film tries to portray itself as an allegory for that. She's stranded on a rock on her own. She's got nobody else. She's only got herself. And actually what she wants to do, what she wants to do is live. She decides what she's going to do is survive. Um, and there you have it in a nutshell. I think it's 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 not a good film. I haven't seen many good films this week, as we've ascertained. But the first half an hour of, of The Shallows is so boring. It's so tedious. If you've ever wondered what Blake Lively's backside looks like whilst wet and whilst the sun glistens off it and there's a bit of J.J. Abrams style lens flare, then prepare to get well acquainted with it because that's all you're pretty much going to see for the first half an hour of The Shallows, um, which it will probably make some people tune in, make some people go out to, to, to see it. And that's fine because, you know, Blake Lively, as much as the director is trying to show off some of her assets should we say and you know those people can be um pleasantly uh surprised i guess because that's 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 what they will get that's what the film delivers for half an hour it's like looking at a fucking instagram page but it turns for perhaps another half an hour after that into something a bit more interesting it does try to delve a little bit deeper into um the concept of of marrying this this survivalist thriller with uh the stages of grief and trying to overcome uh, a loss but then very quickly it just descends into what can only be described as exploitation movie not in terms of like sex exploitation but in terms of grindhouse films with fighting off a shark the ending to this film is fucking ridiculous. And me and Brooke had just looked at each other. We're like, what the fuck? And laughed because it's so, so stupid. And I don't think it means to be. Is the, That's the worst thing about it. I don't think it wants to be seen as stupid. I think it wants to be this big hurrah as a finale. Um, but it's not. It's just absolutely hilariously stupid. Um, and But the, it's, the weird thing is, I mean, because of the way that it's, it is shot. And it is shot pretty well. I mean... In terms of um, the, the director's previous work, Jean Collette Serra's previous work, mostly, I, I think I've seen most of his feature films, uh, and they're usually films that involve Liam Neeson. 
So uh, let's see what else he's got in his. Uh, his Orphan dis- House of Wax, two thousand five. Well, yeah, we'll ignore Goal Two and House of Wax. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no, Orphan, Orphan, not Goal Two. Uh, got Goal Two is also on his list of. Wait, films really? Directed <laughs> yep. House of not, Wax. Was... I will not ignore Goal Two. Yeah, you don't want to miss it. Goal I mean, two I will listing his credits. I surely. will. I will appreciate somebody. No, I won't. Yeah, he he, he, he um, most importantly he did non-stop from 2014, which was yeah, the third film I, which was third film I reviewed for this site, and it's actually really good as well. So go watch that. It is good, and Run All Night was pretty good, and I thought Unknown yeah. was pretty good for you know these sort of Nissan thriller things. Um, but the sh- I mean, so he's got some kudos in terms of making a film look half decent, right? And I think here he goes a bit overboard in trying to show off the cinematography and how well he can capture nature and surfing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it seems a little bit overindulgent, perhaps, uh, because it's just a lot of this film is just style with very little substance to it. Uh, and again, it tries to tread a line between Artos and Grindhouse and doesn't really settle anywhere sort of... It, like nicely in the middle of those or far enough on one side it's just a bit of a mess really i mean i didn't i didn't find the last hour boring but it to to, to you know if you'll excuse the pun it is a pretty shallow film um but it genuinely is that was like planning a fir- that one since he saw the film didn't he before even I he probably went into it, <laughs> hoping it was shit, just so we could say it. As just well. so I could say it, yeah. God, but, uh, but genuinely though, <laughs> genuinely though, it's it's um, it's not great. I don't know who I could recommend it to. I think for people who want the more artosy thing, are going to be disappointed with how uh, the lack of any substance there or any intelligence to it. I think people who who want to woman versus shark film are going to be thoroughly disappointed because that's not even in it it's i don't know what it is i just don't know what it is that's the main problem i have with it okay on to the final film we're going to review today then that is peach dragon yes uh peach dragon uh gonna be very quick with this one uh partially because i want to very 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 quickly squeeze mike and david new wedding dates in here as well but also because there's not much to say about <laughs> it um peach dragon which is uh New Disney film remake of a 1977 film of the same name, where which is basically notable for the fact that it was um, an a uh, animation live action hybrid uh, that was very obviously attempting to follow in the footsteps of Mary Poppins and Bedknobs and Boomsticks. It uh, it didn't. Um, <laughs> directed this one directed by David Lonery of um, Ain't Them Body Saints fame and also a man owning one of the most ridiculous moustaches in the history of moustaches uh, Google image search oh, well, I'm busy talking here you'll see what I mean uh, it jettisons basically everything about the original Peach Dragon with the, which I haven't seen admittedly uh, with the exception of the name and the general idea which is that um, Pete here played by Oak Speckley uh, Fegley is a five-year-old boy on a trip, uh, like on, off on a holiday trip with his parents. When in the first scene, they um, roll their car and die horrifically. Um, Pete, however, survives uh, with his parents dead, and he runs off in and he runs off into the woods to try and you know survive that there, where he is found by um, a dragon, a dragon who he dubs. Uh, 
Elliot. Elliot, yes, that's it. Um, who he dubs Elliot. Uh, a dragon who is uh, able to um, camouflage itself, essentially, in that there to be able to hide, you know, in plain sight of other people. And the two end up getting a striking up a bond, French, a, a bond, protective friendship with one another that lasts for five. And essentially, uh, um, Pete survives five years in that forest there with um, Elliot as his best friend, until one day, without having come into any other human contact, uh, when one day, as a result of loggers um, digging a bit too far into the forest for God, he start he stumbles upon Forest Ranger Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, who ends up taking the boy into? Who ends up through a series of mishaps and circumstances ends up taking the boy into her, you know, into her custody and out there to try and you know bring him back to society and find out what's wrong with him. Um, uh, Elliot, uh, uh, Elliot then also ends up journeying from his forest into the small little sleepy town that Peter that Peter's found himself in to try and reunite with his his ward but trouble is also a thought because Carl Urban because would it be is is Carl Urban really in a movie if he's not playing the villain in all honesty in that <laughs> year, is a logger who ends up seeing who ends up catching an eye on Pete after they dig a bit too far into the, into the forest and decides to try and catch him why he doesn't know um, and the film actually openly acknowledges this that he has re- that he really has no plan for the dragon other than just capture him and then events spiral from there. Um, and it's fine. It's a fine movie. I, I basically feel about this the exact same way I felt about Spielberg's um, BFG from a couple of weeks back. Which is that 10 to 15 years ago, this would have been one of my favourite movies. It, like, it would have... Like, like, I, I don't mean that as an insult, more as an acknowledgement that I'm getting old. Which is ridiculous, <laughs> which is ridiculous to say as 21 years old. But it's that sense of... Um, like both Peach Dragon and BFG managed to pull off this trick of talking specifically to kids without talking down to them. That sense of they're speaking a language yeah. that's specifically for kids that older audiences won't really fully understand, or or at the very least can appreciate, but won't be able to get the, in the exact same way that um, younger kids would, um, especially with um, Spielberg's BFG. Like, like, which I watched and was having enjoyment with, but was also sat there the entire time of, if I was 10 years younger, I would have adored this to death. Um, and that's kind of what Peach Dragon is. It's a very, very deliberately minor, very sweet, um, enjoyable little movie with little on its mind or plate other than just being essentially uh, um, like a warm hug bedtime story. More than anything else. It's deliberately lower key. Events... They, they don't get bigger. There is no giant CGI third act set piece. Um, I mean, like there's a like there is a minor raising of the stakes for a chase scene, but it's not. But whereas something like Finding Dory, for example, kind of betrayed its smaller scale personal story in its final third to go big and silly. Um, Peach Dragon goes goes slightly bigger, but doesn't lose that smaller intimate sense of scale. That smaller. More purposely more dramatic melancholy under like undercurrents there as well um but, and yeah it's just it, it's really solidly acted by everybody especially oaks fegley as well who manages to uh be one of those rare child actors who is really really good and not in the slightest bit annoying um it's good because i because disney have been all over the place with that recently um again like for, but i personally found the kid from the jungle book for example to be too mugging um and the girl in bfg to be 
mugging in any other film other than the BFG. But now here, Oaks Fagley does really good sort of work here. Um, I, 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 there's really not much more to talk about, to be honest. I guess it's mm-hmm. kind of a metaphor as well for the power of storytelling and filmmaking. Um, specifically, uh, Robert Redford is in this about five minutes um, as the uh, father to Bryce Dallas Howard, who once saw a dragon in said forest, turns out to be, you know, Elliot and that there, and has been regaling the kids of the town with tales of that dragon for years since. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard used to be, you know, all about that kind of magic and that there, but nowadays has grown up into the kind of woman who doesn't believe uh, those kinds of things unless it's staring her right in the face. Um, out there, which essentially means that when they do meet Pete, uh, meet Elliot, almost like a metaphor for your know, storytelling, the magic, that kind of magical power of when you uh, of being able to connect with something that shouldn't exist but does in a way, out there, and how other people react to it. Like again, how it sounds like Carlo but wants to try and just sell it on for profits or what have you. But again, it, the film's not really trying to be that. It's mostly just a quiet tale about abandonment and um, reintegration to life and. As per usual, um, dog and owner um, stories, which I am always a sucker for as a dog owner and will always hit me no matter how mediocre they <laughs> end up being. So yeah, it, it, it's fine. It's fine. It's enjoyable. Um, it doesn't have quite the emotional punch I think it's aiming for, um, especially with the Sogat family, because the film is so laser focused on Pete and Elliot that everybody else just kind of ends up as a thinly sketched character around that. Um, so when the inevitable ending does arrive, it doesn't carry as much of like a, a emotional lift as the film thinks it should be, because, primarily because uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and oh Wes Bentley's in this as well. Um, like their characters aren't really so much characters; it's just kind of things that exist on the surface, like on the edges. But it's fine; it's enjoyable, um, and the effects on Pete are. But, I mean, on Elliot as well, are very good. Um, especially since it occasionally poke... Whilst it obviously doesn't exist in the same plane as everybody else, they do occasionally try and bring in the uh, practical effects for close-up shots as well, which I quite like. Um, it's a better Tarzan movie than the last than the actual Tarzan movie we got this year as well, for whatever that's worth. Well, that's not uh, difficult to... I mean, you could stick a fucking yeah. tramp in some pants and push him through the woods. And I, mean, be I, mean, I mean, it's not Tarzan that... Movie. I mean, it's not that difficult because the Tarzan movie we got this year was basically a Batman movie. So... Um, yeah, that. Uh, okay, and very, very quickly, uh, Mike and Dave need wedding dates um, because there's similarly not much to say about that. Which is a feature film directorial debut of Jake Szymanski. Um, you might know who worked on who's worked on American Dad a few times, and also did that um, HBO comedy special Seven Days in Hell from last year. Uh, have you watched that one? It was with uh, Andy Samberg, so. Andy Samberg, Kit Harrington, um, tennis one. No, I didn't watch it. Was it good? Uh, no, it was it was really really good. You should check it out. Um, once you like okay. once we're finished here as well, it's it's only half an hour anyway, and it's it's really hilarious. Um, so yeah, uh, start base semi based on a true story. Zac Efron and Adam Devine star as the Stangler brothers, who um on, on the e on the relative eve of their sister Jeannie, played by Sugar Lynn Beard's um wedding, are ordered by their dad, played by Stephen Root, to get wedding dates to take to their um, wedding in, to take to wedding in Hawaii because um, they usually turn up stag to all the parties and ruin them by being obnoxious bros. Um, like, not intentionally, but their actions are kind of dangerous and that there. And so Stephen Root believes if they get some nice girls that they won't be, you know, so crazy and that there. Uh, they put an ad out on Craigslist, which gains national attention because of 
how fucking ridiculous the idea is. And this attracts the attention of Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza, who are two um, messes, for lack of a better word here as well, uh, who decide to use, who decide to essentially trick Mike and Dave into believing they are nice girls in order to get a free trip to Hawaii. Um, because Anna Kendrick is all sad because her her um, her ex fiance left her at the altar, so she's been kind of in a slump ever since. Norby Plaza is trying to get her out of it, and then they all go to Hawaii, and the film then fills seventy five minutes of runtime. Um, mm. It's very like, like okay. Um, I'm before we move on here. I'm going to admit I did laugh. Um, I actually laughed a lot. Uh, more than I have at most comedies this year, which is why I'm still willing to give this a pass. But this trend of comedies that completely lack in, but basically completely lacking scripts and are meant to be powered solely through improv and star power needs to stop. Like this needs to stop right now because we have officially hit like breaking point. Uh, my, I, I literally believe Mike and Dave exists um through like a, like a cat like a an advertising memo must have gone round Hollywood going wanted. Actors and actresses who want a free holiday to Hawaii. Also, we might <laughs> shoot a film whilst we're there, whatever. Um, and so everybody then just went to Hawaii, filmed a whole bunch of scenes, and then stitched together the results in in post. And it's very, very obvious because the film has maybe three set pieces, which are of a noticeably lower quality than the rest of the film. And the vast majority of it is essentially long set, long stretches of improv between an immensely talented cast of actors and that there who are far be- who who deserve scripts um like the direct Mm. it's a horribly it's one of the worst edited films i've seen in ages like very obviously stitched to get stitching together different lines and takes and even like whole scenes in that fair through atrociously noticeable adring and dubbing um uh, and it very 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 clearly runs out of steam about an hour in uh, like with about 30 minutes to go because again, by that point, the lack of a structure has kind of killed it, and then it try and it has to move to trying to have some kind of emotional payoff, but it's never ever that it's coming no way close to earning. Um, but again, that said, I, I I I laughed a lot, and that's mainly because that cast is phenomenal and incredibly charming, and therefore, if you do put them in a room, fire the cameras up, and tell them to just be themselves, effectively be themselves for however long about that, you will end up getting some pretty good material back and forth. Um, like um, Efron Divine, Divine and Plaza and Kendrick have great chemistry of each. Like, yeah, both doors have great chemistry of each other. Um, and I also do appreciate the fact that the film spends a lot of its time allowing Kendrick and Plaza to be very silly, very stupid, uh, and very very dumb. You know, essentially like being funny in the way that bro co- that bros are in bro comedies and that because this is a bro comedy in that there, but allowing women to be silly in a bro comedy instead of, you know, humorless nagging Judd Apatow women, basically. Um, so that's, like, like that's very nice. Um, and plus, as well, the fact that the film is just 98 minutes um, instead of nearly two hours, like most comedies are nowadays for some reason out there, does mean that even though it clearly runs out of steam about 70-minute mark out there, it's still in and out without getting too much on your nerves. Um, so, yeah. Admittedly, I did have fun, but it's primarily because this cast... Like this cast with these chemistry map there could literally just read, like sit in a room together, read trading, um, readings of a phone book, and I'd be raptured the entire way through. Um, if they had an actual script in there with genuine emotional depth that it earns instead of just trying to riff off wedding crashes, um, which it name checks repeatedly, um, instantly as well, then, um, 
maybe it could have a good time, but instead mostly it's just a lot of improv and shock humour. Um, especially in form of a very lecherous bisexual played by um, Alice Wetterland, who is hilarious, even though I should find that entire stereotype massively offensive. <laughs> um, also, um, at the end, Anna Kendrick and Zac Efron sing together, and I live for basic pleasures in life like that. So, you know, specifically singing Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It as well, to just further push all my pleasure buttons. Also, at some point, we <laughs> also at some point we also really need to start talking about how comedies need to white people comedies need to stop appropriating blackness and black terms and that. Therefore, comedy's sake, it's get it, again it's hitting saturation point. So yeah, again, it's not terrible. It's arguably a decent time, but again, this trend of improvs of tr- of just sticking quality actors into script-free comedies and hoping that this will somehow create gold needs to stop. It just needs to stop, please. Okay, talking of needing to stop, that brings an end to the Failed Critics <laughs> podcast for this week. A couple of things left to do before we go. First off, I'm going to recommend some stuff for you to watch this week. Um, <clears throat> I've already recommended The Lobster on Netflix, but you can also now watch Dawn of the Planet of the Apes from 2014 on there. Owen was speaking yes. about this. Owen was speaking about this last week um, on the podcast, and it's now mm-hmm. popped up on Netflix to get that watched and um, obviously Rise of the Planet of the Apes as well if you can if it's on there one of the best films of 2014 yeah and one of the best one, one, one of our best modern blockbusters as well yeah I was just going to say that and the, the other one that preceded it with, with James Franco two of the best best modern blockbusters of certainly since uh, 2010 okay, I cannot wait for mm-hmm. War of the Planet of the Apes next year I, I really cannot it's going to be good oh, I, it, it, it's, it's going to be, be so good yeah uh, on Film 4 on uh, Sunday evening at uh, 25 to 2 in the morning. So Sunday evening, Monday morning. Uh, Werner Herzog's... Set your planners. Set your planner. You could stay up for it if you wish. I mean, no nobody's going to stay up suppose, that but... late, Owen. Come on. <laughs> no. Um, it's Werner Herzog's Strozik, which features Bruno S. as a German ex-convict who moves to America for a better life with two of his pals. Um, it's tied with another Bruno S film, The Enigma of Caspar Hauser, as my favourite Herzog movie. I kind of flip-flop between the two of them. Um, so get that watched at some point. It's fucking brilliant. Also, I found out from at Upper Tier Steve on Twitter, uh, I mentioned on the Foul Critics Twitter that it was going to be on TV, and he said that it was the film that Ian Curtis watched before he hanged himself. So there you go, some bonus trivia for you there. He really needs to work on how he recommends films. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's not a great recommendation, admittedly, but um, yeah, a bit of bonus trivia. Okay, and Callum, what are you recommending? Uh, I am recommending, just added to Netflix, um, Faults. Debut feature of Riley Stearns. Um, but... Uh, I raved a hell of a lot about last year, um, but got dumped quietly into British into Britain in the beginning of September with basically no fanfare. Um, it's a brilliant little um, drama thriller starring Leyland Orser and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, with Leyland Orser as a um, ex- as a disgraced expert on cults who is hired by the parents of Mary Elizabeth Winstead um, to try and break her from the indoctrination of a cult. Um, as well things go very very wrong very very quickly um it's 
that uh, it's very very Cohen'sy with a bit of uh, it, like it's very very Cohen'sy um, in its approach to tone and very black humor and features stunning performances from underrated character actor Leyland Orsa and one of our best actresses working today, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, I think it was one of, it was one of my favorite films of last year, and um, everybody should get everybody should finally give a chance to give it a watch now. Um, it deserves a lot more than it uh, credit than it's end up getting. Okay. Um, so yes, that that's all. Um, before we go, though, a couple of plugs. Callum, do you want to plug your website? Uh, yes, you can find me writing again, finally, over at callumpetch.com. Uh, I'm going to save this on the podcast now to make sure I actually get it finished. I'll be getting a piece up on the evolution of the politics of the Jason Bourne franchise up this week, um, along with an actual written review of Mike and Dave's new wedding dates as well. Um Plus that, plus it's okay. Nobody's yeah. gonna, nobody's gonna hold you to that now, Callum. They all switched off at the uh, the slagging off of Highlander. Uh, uh, yeah, We've lost our entire yeah. audience. So, but yeah. yeah, but there's also loads of other articles of that as well, including the fact that I wrote four thousand eight hundred words on the Ice Age series because that's how I roll. I have a <laughs> life and stuff going on, um, and yeah, go do and yeah, go read that because I'm amazed. I'm still being invited back to this thing since my one purpose which is to come on and recap the divergence series has now been <laughs> has now has now been rendered extinct by it becoming a tv movie so mm, mm. On, on, on that also um on that note <laughs> divergence. <laughs> okay we've also got matt lamborn covering the isle of man film festival for us and he'll have bits and pieces going on the website as and when um, he has bits and pieces ready to go up on, on the website from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically, uh, it's taking place on Thursday, the 8th of September, uh, obviously on the Isle of Man in a few different locations. Uh, there's uh, a few films being shown. I think they're doing like a, a double bill of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves and Labyrinth, which is an outdoor screening at a castle, which sounds like it'd nice. be pretty awesome, actually. Yep, uh, they've got a Q&A with a prop designer from Stranger Things, the Netflix show that both you and I loved, Steve. Uh, Mark Camo's doing a few different things. I think he's interviewing a special guest. And uh, yeah, uh, Matt Lamborn, our, our mate Matt, who's been on the podcast since near the start. Our since kid. We started. Our kid, Matt Lamborn. <laughs> he is um, basically awarding, he's choosing a, a winner for the Best Short Comedy Award. Um, so yeah, Moving he's, he's going to be watching about ten. He's going to be watching about ten or so short comedies, and uh, each of them will be covered on the in the on the website in some form or another. So there we go. Okay, yes. Well, that is all um, for this week's podcast. So thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another one. Yeah, next week we have. Uh, Slight change up again because you're not here next week or the week after that. No. In fact, um, so Paul Field's gonna host, and uh, we'll probably bring up Mob Handed at some point because well, I'll, I'll bring it up. It's 2016's anyway. United Passions. Yeah, um, and uh, Andrew Brooker will be on that one again. He's back after a very short week away, and uh, we'll have a triple bill of. Films that frightened us at some point. So not necessarily horror films, just films that at some point in your life have frightened you in some way. So slots one to three are going to be mob-handed, aren't they? 
<laughs> it's certainly politically frightened me to think people are like this out there, but um, could be. I think mainly anything that's given you the willies or you know made you think twice about something or made you scared for your mortality or anything like that. Anything will will do. So um, we'll cover those. And it's also Brent, the David Brent film is out, so we'll probably sneak that on there somewhere as well. Yeah. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, on Twitter at failedcritics, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash failedcritics. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.